Hey, Unchained listeners. As you know, it's hard keeping up with the fast-paced world of crypto, so we've got just the thing for you. Subscribe to our free Unchained daily newsletter at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. You'll get the latest crypto news and original articles from our reporters, as well as summaries of other happenings and bullet points, plus our meme of the day, all curated and written by our amazing team. It's still your no-hype resource for all things crypto, just in newsletter form. Sign up at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unconfirmed, the podcast that reveals how the marquee names in crypto are reacting to the week's top headlines and gets the inside scoop on what they see on the horizon. I'm your host, Laura Shin. Crypto.com, the crypto super app that lets you buy, earn, and spend crypto in one place. Download the Crypto.com app today. eToro is one of the largest trading platforms in the world, with over $1 trillion in trading volume on the platform per year. U.S. customers can trade the most popular crypto assets with transparent fees. Create an account today at eToro.com. That's E-T-O-R-O dot com. Crypto.Law, a.k.a. Kelman Law, is a New York law firm run by some of the first lawyers to enter crypto in 2013 with expertise in litigation, dispute resolution, and anti-money laundering. Email them at info at kelman.law. Today's guest is Leighton Cusack, CEO and co-founder of Pool Together. Welcome, Leighton. Hey, thanks for having me. What is Pool Together? Pool Together is a app built on Ethereum that has the goal of making savings, mo- saving money as fun as uh, as fun as a game. So the way it works, it's it's built on the concept of um, a prize link savings account, um, otherwise known as a no loss lottery. And the idea is, it's really simple. You buy a ticket for a chance to win a prize, and if you don't win, you get all your money back. And that sounds too good to be true, but the the way that's possible is because. Uh, the prize is funded by the interest that accrues on all the tickets that have been purchased. So it, it's it's essentially a way to use the incentive mechanism of a chance to win a prize, which has you know been proven to be really psychologically popular, to actually apply it to the action of saving money, which is you know economically healthy. And why do it this way as opposed to the way a regular lottery works? Yeah, well, I, I think so. You know, regular lotteries—the way we think about them, or the way I think about them—is that they take human psychology really seriously, right? They're 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 very, they're very fun to play, and they are are they're addicting, and and they're one of the most popular financial tools in the entire world, lotteries. But the issue with them is that they're wealth destroying; they're negative sum. And so, the reason to do it this way is that you can take what's kind of best about a lottery, which is this idea of taking human psychology seriously and, and making a financial tool that's fun to use, but take away what's worst about it, which is the fact that it's negative sum and the fact that you lose your money. So that's that's kind of the 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 core concept is try to take take what's best about a about a lottery, but apply it to actually what's a healthy, positive sum economic action. And one other piece of this is that the way you're doing this is using blockchain technology. So what are the benefits of doing it using that technology. Yeah, yeah. So this is really interesting because, um, yeah, for clarity, you know, no loss lotteries and prize link savings accounts, it's not something that uh, we've invented. Uh, if you if you just Google it, you'll find articles about um, how this has been done in the past. And it's a fairly recent thing, last, last 20 years, but it's not something we invented. But it is something that works way better on a blockchain, which is really cool because, um, you know, sometimes you put things on blockchains and they don't work as well. But the four big reasons that we believe this works a lot better on a blockchain 
Um, the first is is that it's global, right? So you have way bigger economies of scale. It's it's open to people everywhere. Um, the second is the you know auditable open source nature of the project so that it can be trusted without needing um, kind of a government uh, third party to back it. The third is that the economies of scale are much higher because it's run on smart contracts. And so if you're building a game that uses interest, then it's obviously important to have really uh, efficient economies of scale because every little cent is going to matter. So running on smart contracts makes it much more efficient. And then the fourth, which I actually think is probably the most important one, is that it makes it um, programmable. You know, And so in the Ethereum ecospace, people talk a lot about money Legos and composability, being able to kind of plug and play different apps together. And what Pool Together is doing is, is and by putting a price link savings account on the blockchain, um, it makes it uh, into something that can be programmed and plugged into by other applications. How did you come up with the idea for Pool Together? Yeah, well, I wish I could take the credit, but I can't. Um, it, just in terms of, it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a new idea. I guess that would be the, what I'm trying to get at there. I, I came up with it really. I started basically just researching the history of uh, the major economic tools we have in our society. So, you know, what's the history of the bond market? What's the history of the stock market? And my goal in researching the, those things was to find what tools have been created that have really helped people. Uh, be more financially healthy and have a better economic mobility. And in my research, that's where I came across this idea of, of prize link savings accounts, no loss lotteries. And it was a recent idea. And it was an idea that I just struck me as like, wow, this is, this is a really brilliant idea. It's something that seems almost too good to be true. So that, that, that was where I originally came across it. And, and also in thinking about putting on the blockchain, it just seemed obvious to me that it would be an idea that would work a lot better on the blockchain. Um, and so that's, uh, yeah, it was really through reading economic history that I kind of uh, kind of found the idea. And what was your background before you started Pull Together? Um, I, I would say I, I've always been in entrepreneurship, software entrepreneurship. Um, so I was the co-founder and CEO of uh, another uh, fintech company, not blockchain, called Kindred, and I did that for uh, seven years. And um, that, uh, yeah, that, that's my primary professional background. And how did you end up getting into crypto and Ethereum? So yeah, so my I, I first got into Bitcoin, and my impetus was um, Trump's election um, in 2016. So I was just like, man, this is this is not good. We're going to have a lot of global instability, a lot of trade wars, and I should I should buy Bitcoin. And that also, you know, happened to be a, a very fortuitous time to get into Bitcoin. The end of 2016 was right before the 2017 bull market. So. Bitcoin was my entry point into into crypto. And then um, shortly after found Ethereum. And honestly, it was just because Coinbase had Ethereum and Bitcoin. Those are the two assets they had at that time. And I, and I thought, hey, this is interesting. What's this one? And so initially just got into it uh, by buying it. And um, but, you know, as we all say, kind of went down the rabbit rabbit hole from there. <laughs> Oh my God. I love that you got into this because of Trump's election. That's so funny because <laughs> I feel yeah. like I read that people theorize that that would happen, but I don't know if I've ever actually had somebody say to me that that was the reason they got into this. Um, anyway, okay, so let's dive into the details on how Pull Together works. Um, and actually, when you do that, can you just give an example of like how much money somebody would put in and then how much they could potentially win? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So, you know, the the most common amount of money uh, people put into pool together is twenty dollars. Twenty die die is the cryptocurrency we use. 
um, but $20 equivalent. Um, if you look at kind of the, the distribution of the total, so, so for high level context, right now there's, um, about $250,000, uh, that has been deposited by about, uh, 1500 unique Ethereum addresses. So that's kind of like well, the high wait, level and context. Wait, and is that just for the current pool or is that over since you launched? Um, that is for the current, that's for the current pool. So the oh, way okay. it works is it's, um, it's essentially, you know, once you deposit, your money just stays in there until you take it out and you're eligible to win the prize every week. So it just automatically rolls over. Oh, got it. Got it. Okay. Do people tend to, how long do they tend to keep it in the pool? You know, we're obviously still pretty early on, um, and we've had, uh, you know, a bit of a transition with the side to die. Um, but our <laughs> initial for, for the first for the first nine weeks, if you if you looked at the people who were in the very first pool when we first launched the the unique Ethereum addresses that were in there. And then if you did nine weeks later, if you looked at the unique the Ethereum addresses that were in the still in the pool, um, it was uh, 70, basically 75 percent of the addresses were still in the pool nine weeks later. So that's you know a seventy five percent nine week retention rate. We haven't been around long enough to get annualized and things like that, but that's kind of a ballpark figure. Huh. Okay. Okay. So, but they're only putting twenty dollars in because then it doesn't feel like a great savings tool. Yeah. Well. So. So twenty dollars is the most common uh, that amount of money that's that's put in. But yeah, the, the the distribution is quite. There's you know everything from people have put in over a hundred thousand dollars at times to, to uh, you know, a lot of people who put in $1. Our, our ultimate goal, like the behavior we're trying to drive is uh, highly engaged recurring. So, you know, again, going back to the, the ultimate goal of like helping people save money, we want them to be putting in $20 every time they get a paycheck, you know, over a long period of time. And so we're, we're kind of okay if $20 is the, is the norm as long as people are doing it again. And I think, you know, going back to the analogy of lotteries, lotteries are a very recurring thing. Most, most people don't just buy one ticket. You know, there's some people who do that, but most people are doing it every week. And so what we're trying to do is displace that habit and turn it into savings. Oh, interesting. I like that. As somebody who used to cover personal finance, I think that's really smart. So in a moment, we're going to dive more into the details on how this works. But first, a quick word for the sponsors who make this show possible. Crypto.Law is run by crypto OGs in New York who understand crypto and fintech. They were already operating in the space back in 2013, and they accept crypto as payment. One of the partners, Zachary Kelman, is known for drafting a bill submitted to the U.S. Congress in 2014 aimed at exempting on-chain Bitcoin transactions from U.S. regulations. The other founding partner, his brother Daniel Kelman, became well-known in the crypto law space for his work in the Mt. Gox civil rehabilitation. So if you operate a fintech business or have a dispute with some person or business involving crypto, or you just need legal advice related to crypto, info at kelman.law. That's K-E-L-M-A-N dot law, or just go to their website at www.crypto.law. When you think crypto, think Kelman. Are you interested in getting into the cryptocurrency markets, but don't know where to start building your portfolio? eToro has the answer for you. It's called CopyTrader by eToro. With CopyTrader, you can automatically copy every trade of eToro's top crypto traders at the exact price in real time. No need to study up on markets or develop your own strategies. Simply sign up and copy the trader of your choice. Any profits they make, you do too, proportional to your investment. With eToro, you get access to the world's most popular cryptocurrencies with transparent trading fees, all in one easy-to-use app. 
Copy the smart money with eToro. Join now at eToro.com. That's E-T-O-R-O.com. Back to my conversation with Leighton Cusack of Pull Together. So basically people are putting in tickets, you know, kind of on the same regularity that they, that they would enter a lottery. And then every week there's a payout, right? How much Correct. has the payout been typically? Yeah, so it's fluctuated a bit, but I would say I think the lowest it's been is is right around a hundred dollars, and um, this week's prize is going to be the the largest it's been, which is four hundred and uh, I think four hundred and twenty. So that's uh, yeah, that's the current kind of range. Okay, well, not too bad if you put in twenty and get four hundred back. Um, so how do you earn the interest? Right now, all the interest is earned through uh, compound finance. So as soon as someone um, uh, puts money into pool together and they get their tickets, that money directly goes into compound finance and is earning interest there. And the system, as you mentioned, uses DAI. And I wondered, other than the fact that you guys received a grant from the Maker Foundation, is there a reason, like, does pool together need to use decentralized stablecoins like DAI? Or could you use, you know, like a centralized one like USDC or Tether? Yeah, so we we definitely could. I would say, um, and we will we we will be adding um, some in the in the near future. Specifically, uh, we do have some plans to add USDC here in the near future. I would say we we are a bit partial to Dai, obviously, just because it is more decentralized than the other ones, and we do think that's better uh, for the ecosystem and for um, you know from a long term perspective for people's financial health. You know, Tether is not on Compound Finance right now. When they add it, that would be a decision we'd have to make. But and it would be a little bit, you know, a little bit of a tricky uh, decision, just kind of balancing um, the risk of the collateral type against the popularity of the collateral type. But uh, yeah, we're, we're certainly we're certainly partial to Dai. We love Dai, uh, but we also understand that you know you need to support more than just uh, one one kind of stablecoin. And earlier when we spoke about Compound, could you use some other DeFi way of earning interest for the pool? Yeah, for sure. Again, we yeah, we definitely could. I would also say we're, you know, on the one hand, we really like Compound. But the, the other thing, even if we didn't like it, is it does have... Um, it's kind of been around for a long time. It has a lot of liquidity. It has a lot of usage. And so we really take security and stability super seriously and... So we're we're kind of willing to say, even if Compound maybe has a um, average interest rate that's you know 100 basis points lower than other options, we would probably still say let's stick with Compound because it, it, it's more battle tested, it's better audited, it's um, it's all those things. So we're really trying to maximize for safety of people's of people's funds. And how many? Well, you may not know this, but how many people have participated so far? Yeah, so um, if you looked at total participants, I, I would say I don't know exactly, but it'd be probably around like three thousand. Um, if you were looking at unique Ethereum addresses, um, and then current would be uh, between fifteen hundred and two thousand. So yeah, and, and a lot of those have been, you know, in the past, even in the past couple of weeks, has been a, a, a lot of growth. And who is participating? Are they typically people who are already steeped in the crypto world? Yeah, so I love this question. Um, I would say for sure there we get a lot of people who are steeped in the crypto world, but we also get a lot who aren't, and that's kind of super exciting to us. So we try to be really proactive on customer support, and we get a lot of customer support tickets from people who clearly have no idea what they're doing, and we see that as a really good thing. 
I also think one interesting thing to note on this is geographically, it's very distributed. So um, when we most recently ran our analytics, this was in uh, mid-December, less than half of our traffic was from English-speaking countries. Um, And so more than half was from non-English-speaking countries, specifically a lot from China, Indonesia, um, and India. So what we've seen, and we're really focused on not being a U.S. or Western-centric platform, and we've kind of already seen that uh, play out in the analytics, which we're encouraged by and, and, and actually pretty surprised by how quickly that's happened. That's really interesting. Although it makes sense because a $400 payout isn't probably going to motivate a lot of Americans. But yes, like I used to live in Indonesia. I've been, well, I actually, I've also been to India and China, forgot about China because I was only there for four days, but, and I was sick the whole time. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) Like ate something bad or I don't know. I was like so ill the whole time. Uh, But anyway, um, so yeah, I, you know, obviously I'm, aware of those economies. Um, but yeah. like your materials are all in English. So th- even with, even despite that hurdle, well, I mean, I guess in India, that's not a hurdle, but in Indonesia and uh, China, you're still getting a lot of participants. Yeah. Well, we're, I will. So um, our, our website, actually the, the app itself, it has been translated already into, uh, into five languages. So it's in um, Japanese, Mandarin, Spanish, um, Italian, uh, and English. And if you if you go to the if you go to the site and your computer's set to that language, it will just redirect you automatically. Um, otherwise, at the bottom of the app page, you can toggle your language. So we are we are trying to be like really serious about getting that done really early on um, and not making translation an afterthought. And we also are hiring. Well, I guess we would just say more. It's more like an intern, uh, like a stipend intern uh, situation um, with community community representatives, basically. And our goal is to have them in every country. Right now, we have. Um, one in South Korea, one in Argentina, one in uh, Croatia, one in Italy, and so we want to we want to keep expanding that. So we're trying to we're trying to really actively cultivate that international community. And are you going to translate it into Bahasa Indonesia? Uh, well, yes, we would love to. I actually just got in touch with the um, uh, the DeFi Indonesia. I'm assuming those are the languages in Indonesia. To be yeah, honest, I, yeah, I don't Bahasa. know. <laughs> Bahasa is like the national language. It, it's it's like an imposed language kind of because everybody has their own. I mean, it's a huge, huge country. So just where whatever region you go to, they have their own uh, dialect in that area. But then the the country, they all learn in school this language called Bahasa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we just got in touch with the kind of DeFi, local DeFi meetup leader in Indonesia and uh, have been talking to them about helping us with the translation. So hopefully we'll have that soon. I love it. So how do you think the non-crypto people are finding out about it? Yeah. So that's, that's, a, that's a good question. I, I think that it's a very um, memeable concept. So the idea of like, it does, it does, it's, it's very easy. It's a very viral. It's very easy to share. It seems too good to be true. People, I think people really like to talk about it. And so I think that the primary way we talk about these non-crypto people as crypto adjacent. So the primary way is it's, um, it's, you know, the, the mom of the guy who works at Coinbase or the, the, the dad of the, of the woman who is, you know, or, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe someone in your family, it, it's people, we're getting people who have a connection to someone who's in the crypto space, but aren't in the crypto space themselves. Um, because what we're finding is that it's a really kind of easy, fun way for someone to get onboarded. So if I'm excited about crypto, 
you know, I'm not going to tell my friend to invest $1,000 in Bitcoin. Well, I mean, maybe I'll tell them, but they won't or buy $1,000 of ETH, but they will say, oh, this no loss lottery, this uh, prize link savings, like I'll, I'll try that. Huh. Definitely not somebody in my family. They all think I'm a weirdo. <laughs> but, <laughs> but anyway, um, where was I going? Oh, I, I know what I was going to ask. Um, are they also, do you know, like when you were saying crypto adjacent, you were saying like the mom or the dad, like, so it's not even people who tend to be younger and are a little bit more digitally savvy. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's hard to, you know, being a DeFi product, it's, um, we don't have any accounts, you know, people are just coming. So it's, so we can only say based on, you know, the user interviews we do, it, it, it's fairly small sample set. But what I can't say based on that sample set, based on the people who respond to our user interviews, the people who, um, uh, send in support requests, it is surprisingly diverse. And we certainly have a lot of people who are not into crypto. Um, we have, we get, we get people who are really into lotteries. We get people who are really into sports betting. We get people who, you know, are maybe really into like prizes and promotional products. Um, so it kind of, it kind of, uh, crosses, crosses the, the spectrum. And so other than the translations, what are your other plans for expanding this out to, you know, beyond the, the crypto set? Yeah. So I think, I think, um, you know, part of it is we're, we're waiting for other pieces of the infrastructure of the ecosystem to, to improve. And I think we're like super close, right? So we need to, you know, make it a little bit easier with like smart contract wallets, integrated fiat on ramps, like those types of things to like really go all out. You know, we want to get every, every person in the world on board. So I think that we're in a little bit of like a, um, we're, we're trying to like stay up with those recent improvements and implement those into the product. But once those are done, what we see is that um, an interesting dimension to the product is the social element of it. And um, actually, if you look at um, lotteries, those have a really strong social element to it to begin with, right? Like people in the in the office will all pool their money together to, to buy lottery tickets. And so we think we can do a lot to grow this by empowering people to um, uh, like share their tickets, link their tickets together. And then if any of them win, they all split the uh, split the split the prize. Nice. And do you imagine at a certain point that instead of just having one big pool with one huge payout that you'll just have multiple pools? Yeah, yeah, for sure. We're going to we're going to experiment with that. Um, actually, with the new collateral type that we're adding, um, uh, USDC, that's that is going to um, that's going to be a separate pool with its own prize. And we're actually going to experiment with that one. It's going to be a daily prize instead of a weekly prize. So for sure, there's room for experimentation in this area to see what is the most kind of engaging way to present this and do this. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I look forward to seeing how this continues to play out. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, since I used to cover personal finance, I am well aware that people do not have great savings habits. Um, and no. <laughs> it's a little bit worrying. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Well, anyway, so, um, well, it's been great having you on the on the, on the phone. It's been great having you on the show. Thanks for coming yeah. on Unconfirmed. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Don't forget, next up is the news recap. Stick around for This Week in Crypto after this short break. Crypto.com. Have you seen the MZO Visa card? A metal card loaded with perks, up to 5% back and unlimited airport lounge access. They pay for your Spotify and Netflix too. What's not to love? Crypto.com has recently launched its exchange and crypto fundraising platform, The Syndicate. There was a 50% off Atom listing event on February 12th, 2020. Sign up on the Crypto.com exchange now. 
Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this week's news recap. First up, the state of the top 12 cryptos. Larry Cermak of the blog has 19 great charts summarizing the state of the top 12 blockchains by market cap as of the end of 2019. Some of the trends he pulled out were mentioned by Nate Madry in last week's Unconfirmed, such as that Bitcoin is becoming uncorrelated to other cryptocurrencies. It also has a low but statistically significant positive correlation with Bitcoin. Meanwhile, Larry points out, Ethereum tends to correlate with most of the other cryptocurrencies. He also notes that cryptocurrency trading volume on the spot markets hit a nine-month low in December, and web traffic on cryptocurrency exchanges had dropped by half since June. But the monthly volume of BitMEX's Bitcoin perpetual swap reached an all-time high in 2019, and there are signs the institutional market is picking up. Next headline. CryptoDad forms group with Accenture to push for digital dollar. Former CFTC chairman Christopher Giancarlo, former lab CFTC director Daniel Gorfine, and investor Charles Giancarlo are forming the Digital Dollar Foundation in conjunction with Accenture to push for a digital dollar. Quote, a digital dollar would help future-proof the greenback and allow individuals and global enterprises to make payments in dollars irrespective of space and time said Christopher Giancarlo in a statement. Next headline, Gemini creates insurance for up to $200 million in coverage. Customers of Gemini Custody can sleep a bit easier now. Gemini has created its own insurance company to protect against a loss of coins from the Gemini cold storage, with what Coindesk calls a possibly record-breaking $200 million coverage limit. And guess what they named the new insurance company? Nakamoto. Next headline, progressive decentralization. It's hard. Jesse Walden of the A16 Crypto Startup School wrote an interesting post on progressive decentralization. In the post, he walks through the steps from launch, which he says needs to be centralized, all the way to full decentralization. Reading it, my main takeaway is that it's a hard, uncertain road. He talks about how early on, finding product market fit requires centralization, And that once the product gains traction, then the founders need to invest in helping the product be a true open source project, such as investing in good documentation and offering incentives for other developers. Then it gets into trickier territory, like how to offer incentives and distribute tokens. Although then, of course, you run the risk of attracting speculators and also run into thorny questions of how to distribute, which also may attract regulatory scrutiny. Speaking of regulatory scrutiny, surprise, surprise, IEOs are ICOs by another name, says the SEC. The SEC issued a warning about IEOs calling them similar to ICOs and warning investors that they may be conducted in violation of federal securities laws. The notice says, quote, be cautious if considering an investment in an IEO. Claims of new technologies and financial products, such as those associated with digital asset offerings, and claims that IEOs are vetted by trading platforms, can be used improperly to entice investors with the false promise of high returns in a new investment space. Next headline, Profiting from DeFi Liquidations Tom Schmidt of Dragonfly Capital had an interesting post analyzing how money is being made from being a liquidator in DeFi for protocols such as Maker, Compound, and DYDX. Over the lifetime of these protocols, liquidators have earned almost $5 million in profits, with some liquidators earning $100,000 in a single liquidation. However, he says, 
profits are decreasing due to more competition and borrowers wising up. Fun bits. I've got two stories in fun bits this week. First, donate one die, plant 10 trees. If you were interested in how Pull Together is using interest in DeFi, you might also like our trees, an Ethereum-based DeFi contract for donating to plant trees. If you put some die in our trees, it will redirect the interest earned on your die to trees for the future, which will plant real trees. They say for every single die of interest donated, 10 trees are planted. You can see how many trees you've planted so far on your Grove page, which our trees calls a DeFi-powered arboreal Tamagotchi. Just FYI that our trees keeps 2% of the donated interest to support its own development. Lastly, blockchain cream on sale for 126 euros and 40 cents. Wistful, wistful for the days of when Long Island Ice Tea changed its name to Long Blockchain. Don't worry, Cosmetique Bio Naturel Suisse. I don't speak French, so hopefully I didn't mangle that too badly. Uh, that apparently translates to Swiss Organic Natural Cosmetics has you covered with blockchain cream and its blockchain serum. The cream is on sale for 126 euros and 40 cents down from 160 euros and the serum goes for 140. I dare one of you to buy these products, slather them on your face and send me the reviews. Thanks for tuning in everyone. To learn more about Layton and Pull Together, be sure to check out the links in the show notes of your podcast player. If you enjoy these news recaps, then why not sign up for The Real Deal, the weekly newsletter I put out every Friday morning. Some of you have asked me for the links to the stories I mentioned on the show, and now you can get them delivered right to your inbox. Go to unchainedpodcast.com right now to sign up. Unconfirmed is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Fractal Recording, Anthony Yoon, Daniel Ness, Josh Durham, and this Josh Durham, and the team at CLK Transcription. Thanks for listening. <laughs>